no matter where we face, we must face the moment of truth, baby. Special edition of the Stereo Bros Podcast. It's your boy, Kalito, now known as Patagonia and Lattes. <laughs> Happy New Year to all. Um, what we're doing to kick off the year is we're going to do like a little financial literacy series to help the folks out there learn more about finances, wealth, and debt elimination. So our first guest, you know, a good friend of mine I've known for, for years. We had a good run back in the day playing basketball at our local college. We all could have went D3, but we chose, you know, <laughs> much greater things. <laughs> I'm here with my boy, you know, Rob Fortune, the Fortune Consulting. What's going on, brother? All right. How's everything? Can't complain, man. Just out here, you know, doing doing what it do, you know, sitting here in your, your palace with a pool table <laughs> and a super large television. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's uh, good to be here, you know, to have this conversation. So... Uh, for those that don't know, DJ Envy Voice, <laughs> tell tell the folks out there listening about your company and what you do. Okay, so basically, my company, Fortune Advisory Services, um, I created that after spending, I would say, the past twelve years working for different banks and financial institutions, um, and figure. And basically, my point of contact was. My point of contact was helping people get the most out of their money and set up their finances in the best way possible. But what I realized when you work for major institutions, the people or the 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 consumer is not the most important thing to them. It's just getting people in and out and getting numbers done. So I created my company to try to reach out and provide information that I felt like I was lucky enough to get to my community. Mm. And Creating that situation where I'm, where Fortune Advisor Services, they, we manage, um, investments and different, um, financial, um, vehicles. Then I branched off into Fortune Capital Consulting, where I do other things such as workshops and, um, seminars, as well as debt elimination and debt reduction. Mm. Right. So these are all major topics or major things that people, and especially in our community, need. Mm. Now, that's super dope. So speaking of debt elimination, you know, it's the top of the year. Mm-hmm. We just had, you know, <laughs> America's holiday, X-Mass. Yeah. <laughs> what would you say are some of the pitfalls that people fall into around the holidays? I feel like a lot of people, and we talked about this earlier, I feel like a lot of people feel like they got to pick an extreme. They either get, you know, flint flossy with it, mm-hmm. And have no bread or they are super, I don't want to say cheap, but they're super financially conservative and, you know, won't buy a latte. Like, what do you think? One is the middle ground. And two, um, what are some of like the pitfalls people fall into around the holidays, around like spending? So the, the, the hole for the pitfalls starts to open up right after Halloween. Right. Or well, right after Thanksgiving. All right. So Black Friday comes around. 
and they tell you you need this new TV or you got to get this new this deal on whatever it is, right? Whatever item that you practically don't new need. kids toys so, something, right? <laughs> oh, the, the new the new kids toys are coming out, so you got to <laughs> jump on that, right? So that's problem one, right? So we we tend to just buy things that because they're on sale, but we don't really need them, mm. right? And then as that goes on, as that goes on, now holiday season coming up. You know, Christmas, so you gotta buy. You have to buy gifts for this holiday that doesn't really mean anything, right? And no but need. Santa's bringing gifts, not not Dad. It's Santa. Well, that's a story that that's, <laughs> that's a story that they tell, that they tell your kids so you can go spend the money. <clears throat> but you know, you're the one that that spend time wrapping it, putting the tree up, you know, doing those extra o- overtime hours, right? So you can go buy this new Xbox One that your kid already had, an Xbox 360. And the games are basically the same thing, but. It looks, it looks a little better. It looks a little better. Yeah. Right? So, and then now holiday season, I mean, Christmas is done. So, then you got to get, you got to get ready and get fly for New Year's. So, that party coming in, you got to have your bottle service, right? You got to spend, your ticket is $100 and then you got to buy the bottle package, right? That's another, you know, could be 2000 2000 Right? Hey. So, so these are so so I say all that to say not to put people down who want to do those things. But if those are the things you want to do, then it gotta fit into your budget. Mm. I tell people, I tell people all the time, you gotta figure out what your personal economy is. Right? You can't look at somebody else and say, this guy's doing that, this guy's doing this, and try to do the same thing. You have to, like you said, find that middle ground, right? You can't give up everything that you want to do, or you can't do everything that you want to do because your money's gonna dictate what you can do. Right. So there's some middle ground in between that. You got to figure out, Okay, start ranking them. What's the most important things to me? And it could the most important thing could be you getting that new car this year. That could be the most important thing to you. But you got to figure out how am I going to do that while still paying for my rental mortgage, while still taking care of my son or daughter. Right. So I think that's 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 the situation people get into. We, 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 we let media and social media tell us what we need and what we should look like as opposed to just figuring out. What's, who am I, right? And how does that fit into my personal economy? But if Lil Uzi is moving funny with his shoulders and a choker on, how come he can afford an $80,000 watch and I can't? I'm a hardworking man. That's the argument people make. People make the argument of like, I gotta work every day. These people is out here scamming, rapping. How come they got it and I don't? Well, Lil Uzi Vert is working hard at whatever Lil Uzi Vert is doing, right? <laughs> that shoulder thing. You, you, may, you, you may think his rhymes is... Is corny and childish. You may think his dancing or his outfits are outlandish, but he's on tour. He's going to studios. He's doing interviews on Hot 97 and Power 105. So his 9 to 5 is him creating this persona. Your 9 to 5 may be at the law firm or working at, at Staples, right? So you can't look at somebody else. He's in a different position than you. So you got to figure out what position you're in. Nah, that's... I think that's the piece that people miss. I think sometimes people feel like um, they see people on TV or famous people and they assume that it's easier. But, you know, that's their job. Mm-hmm. And fame, popularity, like I say all the time, like those are jobs. But um, the best kind of money is the money you can make quietly and still be able to walk around, you know, as a hundred thousand there or a thousand there or a millionaire without people stopping you and asking you for an autograph and that kind of stuff. Um, what tips do you have for folks that, Maybe, you know, effed up their rent money <laughs> this holiday season and now it's January and then they are trying to climb out of that that debt. Either they charged up too much on their credit cards or they're behind in their rent. What are like two or three things you think that they can do to kind of right their financial ship in the short term? 
I think besides coming to you to help you, <laughs> you know, walk them through. Well, that was going to be point one, right? <laughs> you come to me and I can sit down with you and I can go over a, a full budget for you and figure out what it is that you need to do. But even even if you don't have time or the money to, to hire a professional like myself, you can sit down with yourself and figure out what is it that you owe now, what is it that you're making, and what are the things that you need to spend your money on, what the necessities, right? Rent, like you really shouldn't have fucked up your rent money, right? <laughs> that, that was a mistake. So let's move forward past that mistake and say, okay, my rent is 1500 So I got to have that, right? I need to have food. I need to have gas for the car because I need a car for work. So I got to pay for my car insurance, right? So then when you, out, when you line everything out, then you can see to yourself, okay, what am I spending on, right? Do I need that Starbucks coffee every morning? Do I need to go buy lunch every afternoon, right? Or can I... Bring lunch, right? You got to, it's all about budgeting, trying to figure out what are the most important things and how do I spend and how do I allocate my money towards those things and then see what is left, right? Because what's left is what's, your, what's considered your discretionary income and discretionary income should go towards all that other stuff that you don't need to do on a regular basis or go towards a saving plan for that vacation or go towards that saving plan for that car. That's what's up. That's what's up. So you sound like you know exactly what you're talking about when it comes to money, right? Um, I like to pretend sometimes. <laughs> but I think one thing, one thing that I think sometimes people, that our people do is that they are skeptics, mm-hmm. right? So it's like you've spoken at schools, you've spoken at the companies, you've worked at banks, you've done a lot of different things. But if you were to present yourself on a major platform like IG, which mm-hmm. you do, mm-hmm. at Fortune Consulting, shameless plug, <laughs> Somebody's going to probably read that and be like, well, who do you think he is? What mm-hmm. makes him so qualified, right? So what would you say would be one of your your highs and lows during your financial journey to success? Because obviously, you know, you practice what you preach, right? Mm-hmm. But what would be one you know, low point and one high point for you in, in your financial literacy journey? For me... The low point and the high point is almost like the same thing. It came at the same time. Like me leaving that job that's going to guarantee me money and me creating my own company, right? And it was it was an empowering thing, but it was also something that took me back because it took most of my money to do it. It's something that it's going to take time to build. That's what most people don't... They don't want to give the time to it, right? Like you said, they see, they see, they see people on television or IG... And they want what that person has right away. But honestly, like Lil Uzi Vert or whoever didn't just wake up and they said, okay, here's this record deal, right? They did something and they put some time and effort into it. Now, you may not believe that or you may not feel that he did more than you. Like you worked hard. Like you went to school. You racked up $200,000 of debt, right? <laughs> Stop subbing me, bro. Stop subbing me. <laughs> right? So all that, you feel like, damn, man, I did. It took, it took me forever to get to this point now. And this guy just got it. Like yesterday. And right. that's not really the case. So for me, it's just like, and another thing is like trying to land, trying to navigate this landscape of social media. Like for me, like you can go to Fortune Capital Consulting on IG and I feel like I'm not getting the kind of attention that I think I deserve with the, like you said, with the, with the information that I have. And it, it may be that some people feel like, oh, this guy's trying to show up or he's trying to tell people what to do. And it's not, in it, no way, shape, or form am I trying to show off, but Let's just be real about it, right? Like my financial situation is better than a lot of other people's financial situation. And I know that. So that's why I'm trying to give them the same situation, uh, the same information that I got privy to so that they can be in the same position I am. Because everybody wants that. Everybody wants to own a home and 
and have that nice car and, you know, put money aside to send your kid to school. And root for the Jets. Nobody wants to do that. <laughs> so that's that's probably just you, but no problem. But um, but it 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 takes time to do that. Like I grew up differently. Like you know, my financial journey is just a little bit different than most people. When I sit down with people, I I I go through and I try to figure out what is their financial journey. What were this? What were their setbacks? Or what's set, what's keeping them back today? And when I figure that out, I try to I try to show. I tell them my story. Not to brag or not to show up, but so that they can understand that it can be done. And let's let's be real about it. I'm not even a hundred percent of where I want to be. Like I still have more moving than I, I has. I still have debts. I still have things that I need to take care of. But I'm with the information I have. I'm better. You know, I'm in a better position to do it. So speaking of you know your journey, are there any things about your journey? that you think empowered you to be where you are now? Like, did you grow up in a, in a household where, like, financial literacy was stressed? Uh, did you grow up in a household where it's like, you know, the family had, like, three or four properties? Like, was there anything about that that put you where you are now? I grew up in a, in a typical household, you know, that of people in our community, right? Parents came from some other country. They came here and they worked hard. And they were, all they wanted to do was make sure that they had this house. For, for, for us to live in and made sure that they had enough money to bury them. And that's what my parents did. But one of the, one of the, one of the integral parts in my life that I figured out was when I got my, my first summer youth job. Summer yummy, shout out to summer youth, man. So 14 years old, right? And I'm, I'm about to get some money, right? So I'm about to go and get, get these Jordans and, and whatever else. And, and you had to fight for your check too, depending on what site you picked up your check from. You know, typical Brooklyn stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> listen, <laughs> my first job was at a nursing home over there by by president. Okay. So that so I had to make sure I had my check in my pocket when I left the building. <laughs> but one of the, one of the first thing my mom did for me was she my mom my mom isn't a financial literacy person. She isn't. One that she isn't somebody who knows money or can teach you about money. But one, well, what she does know is that you're gonna need money later on. So one of the first things she did for me when I got my first check, she took me to the bank and she made me open an account. So she made me open a savings account, and from that point on, I had a savings account. I had online banking. I was able to see my account, and that made my mindset about money change. It made me when when I put my money in and I saw it grow, then I knew that if I continue to do this, then I'm gonna have money later on. Mm. So if we fast forward to when I'm 25, getting my first, what I feel like my first real job working, working at Chase Bank, I only, I had $7,000 in my name and that's all the money I saved from some youth up until then working other odd jobs and going to school at $7,000. So working at the bank, I took that, I took that $7,000 and within two years I had 70, right? Because I just had, I just was, what was created for me was good spending and saving habits. Mm. Because while working at a bank, making making my my salary plus my commissions, you know, I didn't have any bills. I was still living at home, right? So you know, I didn't have kids, I didn't have cars and and homes to pay for. So all I had to do was stack my money. And when I stacked it, and I saw it continue growing. I wanted that to continue. And I think that's the point that people don't they don't get to. They don't get to the point where they're starting to save and they're letting it grow. They started. They're like, okay, I'm gonna put this this cool hundred dollars down. But as soon as something else pops up, they want to go take that money. I need the Jordans, but I'm going to get them later. Like, yeah. I'm going to put the honey back on the next next check. Yeah. And it's like, you got to put that money and you got to let it grow. And that's, and that's the same 
um, principles I give people when they invest in their money. You have to start with a number and you have to let that money grow. And the first place you come to when you need money is not there because you have an income, right? So if you want the Jordans, right? Why are you taking the money out your savings? Why you don't just take the money out your check, right? After you pay your bills, like the money's there. But mm. like I started in banking in 2006. In 2006, the national average for savings was negative $500. <laughs> Stop stepping me, dog. It wasn't you. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely, 06, I just transferred up. I was popped. <laughs> popped. It's like, like, so that tells me that, that tells me the majority of people was in debt. Dog, I had a calm, I had a calm, no gas. When I, when I transferred schools into Albany, I had a calm, Maybe three hundred dollars to my name. I had like literally, and I went up there, and it's like my roommate had like his parents dropped them off with a car, you know, computer, um, you know, a fridge. I, I mean, I had like a meal plan, whatever. But I had to literally start over, mm-hmm. like from zero. I went from in the city. If you broke, you live at home. You still got a job of some sort, so I was still getting like my little retail money and my little you know refund checks from school, which it wasn't much, but. I was able to at least sustain. In worst case, I can always like, like you said, bring food from home. Mm-hmm. I was in a whole new environment. I had to literally figure it out quick. You had to change it up. That means so it's remarkable to hear that while I was, you know, miles away struggling, you had 70 stacks. Because <laughs> had I known that, I still wouldn't have called you. But I, at least it's good to know that you... You try to set me up. Nah, I wouldn't. Hell no. <laughs> you home team, man. You're home team. Never. I know you browns look cats. Nah, never, man. Never home team, man. Never home team. <laughs> uh, it just so happened that you can also, you guys, are just, you know, super, super uh, rich. And it's true. You guys got nice houses. Nah, man. A lot don't, of money. <laughs> don't don't us like that, man. Canarsie's <laughs> not a nice place. And I'm not from Canarsie. Flatbush. I'm from East Flatbush. Ah, okay. When I raised. Home of the Jones Jones. always know me that. I, oh. I always want people to know that about me. Don't want to, I, I respect that. I respect that. Um, no, but it's super dope to know that you've had, you know, years of financial literacy because to the, the other point you made that I think is super important is that once you start to see success and anything is contagious. It's like the first time you in school when you get that that three five, mm-hmm. it's like I can't go back to three two. No. Right? First time you first time you touch X amount of money at the first time I touched a thousand dollars, I was like, whoa. But it all went to bills. Yeah. And then I touched a little bit more money. I'm still broke now, but it's it's like, <laughs> it ain't coming for me. Um, but after you touch like a couple of dollars, you start to realize like, sometimes it looks better just, just to look at it. Just to like, like look at the money there and mm-hmm. not even touch it. And, but it feels even better knowing that you look at that money, it doesn't have to go to a bill collector. Right? But the other thing too, that I think this, you know, falls right into is relationships, mm. right? As men, we do so much to impress women. You know, we get the car, the everything haircut, we do everything. Them. Like how we dress, the cologne choices, what restaurants we eat at, learning to cook, like everything we do in, in, a, in a way is to impress women. What do you think the impact of financial literacy is on relationships? I think that, I'm sorry, go ahead. It's stressful, but it's only stressful because we make it that way. All right? It's like, you married. I'm practically married. Right? You married. You married. I'm married. Yeah. Right? So in that, you just gotta you gotta say to yourself, right? If you love your woman or you love your man, and this is the person you want to spend the rest of your life with, right? When that person, when that man drops down to his knee and proposes, you say yes, right? Or you drop down to any knee and propose and she says yes. 
that's something amazing between the two of you, right? And yeah, you're going to go make love and you're going to tell your friends and put on Instagram and all that, right? But now there's going to come work. And it's not just work on your relationship, on how you guys are going to meld together, you know, creating this family together. It's how we're going to meld financially, right? Because no two people really get together and they're in the same financial situation. What I find about relationships is one person is good with money and one person isn't. And it's not always the man that's good with money, right? One person is good, one person is not. So it takes that person who's good with it to be able to, to open up and tell that person who isn't good with it how to get good with it. And the person who isn't good, it has to open up and be willing to accept that information. I know, I know couples who break up over financial situations. I know couples who continue to lie to each other about their financial situation. Like they, they won't tell their significant other about the debt that they have as if it's never going to come up. And it's like, and then they say, oh, we want to buy a house together. Well, that's going to come up immediately. So they're going to know it. So you might as well tell them now. And it's always easy to get through a tough situation when you have somebody championing you behind you. Right. And that's who your significant other should be. Right. So when, when you, when you come into a relationship, just be real about it. I'm not good with money or I'm, or I'm extra frugal and just find that middle ground. Right. So, so I think it can be very stressful, but like I said, it, it's only become stressful because we make it that way. Absolutely. And that's so powerful. I think, you know, a lot of people don't understand that some of our behaviors track back to childhood. So it's like, mm. I was raised on survival. Right. Mm. And I wasn't by such imagination. I wasn't poor, but when I think back, yo, we had some rough summers. Like, like Ghostface said, my whole youth was sharp in the cleats. Yeah. Like, <laughs> pretty much held us down like steel. Like, there was a couple of rough patches, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And I don't fault my parents for it, but what it ingrained in me is a sense of my kid is never going to ever go through what I went through. You know what I'm saying? Like, I give a shirt off my back to make sure that my family never, ever has to ever feel some of the hunger pains and eat sleep for dinner. You know what I'm saying? Or eat a a mayonnaise sandwich, right? right? But I feel like because of that, when it comes to money, I'm like super strategic. Now, granted, that's in wave, right? Like, I think sometimes it ebbs and flows. And like you said, um, it's easy to do that as a one-man army. But when you got to consider a family, now you got to do things differently. Because if you marry somebody that's used to a certain lifestyle, if she got it on her own and she used to going to, you know, Bali, Dubai, whatever, and you want some, I don't want to do that. You know, that's tough. But on the other end is that if she is marrying you with the expectation of you're going to provide for her and she's not good with money, you're going to have to either have a real conversation to move forward or a real conversation to move in the opposite way because that's a stressor. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, these are all super valid points. And I mean, I mean for me, like, I grew up, I would say then after you telling me you're sorry, I grew up completely differently. Like, my parents are married. They stay together. My, both my parents work. I never really went, looking back at it, I never really went for nothing, right? When you're growing up and you want this, you want that. But honestly, I always had clothes on my back. I always had a roof over my head and I always had food to eat. And I saw my pops do one thing and one thing only. I saw him get up and go to work. And I saw him do that for 30 years without ever taking a day off. And that changed me because when I started working, I did the same thing. I went to work and I never took a day off. I never took a day off. And and, and my parents never spent money on, we never had, we didn't live in any luxury, right? We had a house. And as a child, you don't consider that luxury because, you know, everybody got a house. 
So you think until so you, you think. So you come to Brownsville. <laughs> then you learn. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So, so so like you said, like everybody is each person is just a compilation of their experiences. And mm. the finances end up the same way. If your parents weren't good with money and they were blowing in and they was living check to check, more than likely you're gonna end up the same way. If your parents are great with money and they put investments away and they talk to you about it, then you're gonna be better off. But so for me, like 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 in the beginning when I said I locked out, my parents never spoke to me about investments. My parents never spoke to me about investing money. My mom just taught, said, have a bank account and put your money there. So I lucked out because when we went to group, my my career wasn't ever going to be in finance. Right? I had a I, I got my degree in marketing and I spent most of my time playing basketball. All right. <laughs> so I forget it. I was good at one of those two things. I won't tell you which one it is. I embarrassed myself. But he could have went to play, you know, at least Division Three basketball, but, you know. Just on high alone. There you go. Basketball, <laughs> basketball. Yeah, who needs that, right? right? Millions of dollars. <laughs> but um, when, after I graduated, like, you have to get into the job market. And the job market at that time for marketing wasn't for me. Like, I just couldn't get a job. So I looked down and I had a friend of mine who was working at a bank. And he said, this job was easy to get. You should try, you should try out. And I did. And. 14 years later, I'm still, or 13 years later, I'm still doing that, right? So that's how, that's how it happened for me. So it's all about circumstance, but, but going back to the family, like if your if your family wasn't good with money, more than likely you're predetermined to not also be good with money. So you have, so you have to, you have to admit that to yourself and break that cycle, right? And now be willing to accept that financial literacy that not only my company does, but other companies are doing it, right? It's out there, but no one's going to come to your door and knock and say, okay, here's the, the roadmap to become wealthy. You have to be willing to go get it, mm-hmm. right? just like anything else. The same way you got, you went to go get that law degree or you went to go get that, that doctorate, like, do the same thing with your money. You can't, you can't assume that money's always going to be there. I think our community always thinks money's going to be there. Now, that's powerful stuff, man. Um, is there any, in closing, like, any one piece of advice or like any, you know, quote or something like that that you want to leave the people with? So one quote that I always use when I, when I go to my networking meetings or I sit down with people, um, financial literacy is the key to financial freedom. And I think people, people always want things or they, they say they want to be wealthy or they say they want to be financially free. But like most things that you say you want, you're not putting the work into it. So if you if you want those things for you and your family, then just get educated. And there's people out here who are willing to do that and help you down that path so you can so you can achieve it. Like my ultimate goal for my company is not to have Fortune Advisor or Fortune Capital become like a Chase or you know a Northwestern, right? My ultimate goal is that at some point that my company goes out of business because nobody needs me anymore. That people in my community don't need me anymore because I did my job. I taught them on how to to advance financially and then they pass that same information down to their children. And then that can continue to grow because that's the only way our community is going to grow. It's going to get better. We have to just, we have to get better financially because that's what every other cult, that's what every other community is good at. It's good finance. And we're, and we're lagging in that. Mm. So tell people where they can find you on social media and otherwise, in case people hear this, and want to reach out and you know hire you as their, yeah. their advisor. So Instagram Fortune Capital Consulting, um, 
personal new money fortune. I've been on social media for way too long. I just feel old because it's a, it's a young person's game. I got Twitter. Twitter, same thing, same same titles. Is there a website? Um, website um, www.fortunecapllc. That's f o r t u n e c a p l l c. dot com. On there, you can you can see all the services I provide. You can see um, I have a blog that I that I write different financial topics about and. And you see my my office address uh, down in um, like Grand Central. Perfect. Right? So if you need to reach out to me, those are those are the ways. Um, also, I'll just give I'll just give out my my work number. It's a three four seven two zero six three zero one zero, and my email rfortune at fortunecapllc.com. And one last thing, fortune is my real last name. Because mm. I always get asked that. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, so like I said, this is part one of our financial literacy series. Appreciate you pulling up. Well, what? not me pulling up. Appreciate you let me pull up and you know, um, pick your brain about some very important topics in the uh, one in the world, but two, you know, super prevalent and super important to our community. So I appreciate it. I'm, I'm humbled that you know for this financial literacy series, you 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 thought of me as somebody that could provide some some knowledge to to your listeners. Absolutely. That's growing on a on a what I see is a daily basis. You trying? Growing up out here. <laughs> you trying? You trying, man? All right, over and out.